So this is the final episode of A Comic's Last Stand. I had initially planned to do this podcast through the end of the year. The 15-year anniversary of my first open mic is December 17th, 2023, so I figured that was a pretty good stopping point. I'd put the last episode out a few days after that, uh, but the reality of it is I, I can't continue with the podcast. The workload is too heavy. Um, with everything else I have going on in my life right now, it's just too much to manage. The scheduling, the recording, the filming, the editing, cutting the clips, the promo, all that stuff, it's its a lot to manage, um, especially for something that's not really returning dividends the way I thought it was going to. It's a lot like stand-up in that way. It's just not uh, serving me anymore, and it's uh, becoming more of a drain than something that gives me energy or lifts me up, so I figured it was a good time to to kind of wind it down. Even though it hasn't really worked out the way I've wanted it to professionally, I, I feel like I've gotten a lot out of it personally. I've had some really great conversations with people. I've gotten to know people a little bit better. Um, some comics who were you know just kind of casual acquaintances of mine, and now I feel like are, are a little bit closer. I, I know them better. Um, that's been enjoyable. It's been it's been interesting to hear the different approaches that people take to comedy and their career in the arts in general. So it, you know, much like comedy, even much like stand up, even though it didn't get the end result that I wanted, it was still worthwhile. So, you know, I think I'm going to spend the rest of the year just trying to have fun writing and performing stand-up. You know, I've only got a couple months left and I'm, and I'm ready to be done, but, you know, I, I don't want to spend the, my last couple months doing stand-up in this, like, frantic rush to schedule, record, edit, film, just all burnt out the way I've been um, over the past year. So I think the question is, you know, how do we, how did we get to this point? How did I get to this point? And, you know, that's a very long story. Um, I've, ever since I was little, I feel like I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. I've always wanted to be a comedian. I saw Seinfeld for the first time in fourth grade, and I just remember being enamored with that show instantly. What, you know, what a fourth grader is getting out of Seinfeld, I, I, I don't know, like, why I enjoyed it so much, how, why it appealed to me outside of, like, the fact that Kramer is silly. Um, I have some theories, you know, I, I think it's just something that I've said previously on the podcast, your interest or your, or your future self calling out to you, and I must have recognized something in that show that um, resonated with me on, like, a very deep personal level, like parts of myself and my personality that I, I wasn't fully aware of yet, but that were present at the time. Because I don't think we really changed that much over time. So the fact that I love Seinfeld now at 37, uh, of course, I would love Seinfeld when I was nine, 10 years old, because I'm the same guy, essentially the same person. And I remember just, just being enthralled by Jerry's bits at the beginning of the show. Um, that was, I think that was my first real exposure to stand-up comedy is seeing him open and close the show with these just very tight, precise, clean jokes, just the, and the way everything kind of tied together, how the subject matter and the material tied into the things that were happening to him in his life. It just, it just hooked me immediately. Um, I could tell I knew it was something that I wanted to do or I wanted to be funny the way that he and everyone else on that show was funny. It just meant something to me. And then when I started watching Seinfeld, it was around that time where um, we got Comedy Central on cable. And I remember watching shows like Make Me Laugh and, and being really 
invested in that stuff and then seeing sitting in front of the TV on on a Saturday morning and watching Dana Carvey's special Critics Choice and thinking that was the funniest thing I've ever seen and then I, I was I saw Chris Rock's Bring the Pain for the first time on Comedy Central on a Saturday morning why they were playing it on a Saturday morning I have no idea but I just remember watching that special even edited for TV and just being blown away at how funny it was and it was just something that meant something to me immediately then I got into high school and um you know I then I discovered Dave Chappelle and Chappelle's show uh, some of my I don't want to say best memories because it sounds sad but like some of my most vivid memories from high school are sitting in my room on Wednesday nights watching season two of Chappelle's show my senior year of high school and just being and just laughing so hard at all the every week there was some classic sketch that just I couldn't believe it existed and that was on television. It felt, it, I, I I don't know, it, it rung the tuning fork in my chest the way very few other things did. And as I was watching all of these comedians throughout the years, I knew that I wanted to do stand-up, or I at least wanted to try it, but I just didn't know how to go about doing it. I remember having the desire in high school to do it, but like, where was I going to go? I, I didn't have a car. I even when I had a license, I, I was too afraid to drive into DC. Driving into DC, it's like I might as well just have been to, asked to drive to California. How the hell do you get into DC from my town in the Virginia suburbs? Like I have no idea. It was it was an hour away, and that, that seemed like an impossible distance to travel. So you know, in high school, I got into football, and that's where my interests kind of drifted and um, continued that throughout college, but I, I kept kind of drifting back to stand up very frequently. Like you know, like most kids who went to college in the mid two thousands, I love Dane Cook. I still like Dane Cook. Uh, some of those specials I, and those jokes are very funny. I think Isolated Incident is an un, underrated special and still very good. Um but it was towards the end of college where I discovered Mike Birbiglia and I told the story on the episode with Gabe Malika. I saw him on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Again, much like with Seinfeld, much like with Rock, much like with Chappelle. When things are good, when things resonate with you, when things mean something to you, they stand out right away. You don't have to convince yourself or talk yourself into it. My attention was focused on this guy immediately. And I loved the jokes. And by the time his five-minute set was over, I was like, I got to buy this guy's album. They were promoting it on Conan. And it was kind of through rediscovering Mike or through discovering Mike Birbiglia that I rediscovered like, oh yeah, like I really have always wanted to do stand-up. All my energy was focused on football for the past like three, four years. But that kind of lit the fire again. And it wasn't until I graduated college and I was living back at home and I was about to start my first job out of college I remember unpacking all of my clothes into back into my room after moving out of college and and last comic standing was on TV and seeing the you know people can argue or debate about the quality of the comedians on that show they there are good co- comics on that show Joe list has been on that show um I mean, I'm not gonna try and list everyone off here but there's been a lot of really great high quality comedians on that show I remember watching it and it, it was another one of those light bulb kind of moments where it's like, that's right. Like, this is what I've always wanted to do. This job I'm going to tomorrow, this isn't what I want. I, I need to really give this a shot and, and try to figure out a way to be a stand-up comedian. So the next day I went to my job and on my lunch break, I went and bought a notebook at a grocery store. And for the next six months, I was just taking notes 
and trying to write jokes, trying to work up the nerve to to go do an open mic somewhere in Virginia or DC. And it wasn't until December 17th, 2008, I finally worked up the nerve to go to Wise Acres Comedy Club, which was in a Best Western in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Uh, very, you know, auspicious beginnings. And I did my first set that night, did five minutes, zero laughs, just bombed so hard. And it shook me and I couldn't, it took me another two months to work up the nerve to go back or to do another open mic. And remember the second time I did one, I brought two friends with me as like a security blanket. And I did, this was February, 2009. I did five minutes. I got one laugh in five minutes. And from that one laugh, I was hooked. I was like, oh, this is what I do now. I'm a comedian. Um, the enthusiasm, great. Very proud of it. I wish I had a little more shame because my third open mic, I invited like everybody I went to college with. It was at the Uptown Tavern in Washington, D.C. I was so excited. My name was on like a, a chalkboard because outside because I had signed up beforehand. I invited a bunch of people. Uh, I was terrible, but the set went well because my friends wanted to see me do well. And, um, that was really, you know, I, I didn't have, I should have hit it a little longer than I did, um, just to try and not be so awful. Although I was awful for many years, but I don't know. I just remember being so thrilled and so excited. It's like, this is it. This is my thing. This is what I'm doing. Um, that summer in 2009, I, I got a job at enterprise rent a car, all the other jobs, I, the other job I tried previously didn't really work out. And I had a bunch of odd jobs in between then, but I got like a real job. You need a college degree to rent the cars. I don't know who knows that and who doesn't, but I moved out of my parents' house, moved in with a, a friend in Fairfax, Virginia. And that's when I really started going after it. I was out, you know, if not every night, um, most nights, as much as you could have gone out in DC at that time, there weren't shows or mics every night of the week like there are now. Um, but it was working at Enterprise during the day, doing stand-up at night. And that was my life for, you know, a year, the year that I worked at Enterprise. And it was a great starting point. Met a ton of people that are my friends now, people that have been guests on this podcast, Lafayette Wright, Courtney Farrington, Muggsy McGeever, um, Brian Parisi, um, Evan Valentine. Apologies if I'm forgetting anyone else who was on. And that was that was a really fun time. That was really enjoyable. It was like a, it was like a sense of upward trajectory. I had things to look forward to, things I was excited about. I was trying to break into the, the local clubs, the, the Arlington Draft House, and the DC Improv. I was really, really going after something and really enjoying the journey of building towards something. I remember the first major show that I got to host at the Arlington Draft House, like in the main theater. I got to open for John Mulaney in September, no, July of 2010. He wasn't famous yet. Um, New in town hadn't even come out. I think he had been on Weekend Update once, but he was just like a New York City comedian that was headlining this this small club outside of DC. And I remember where I was when I got the email asking me to open for him. I was working at Enterprise. I was in our, our lobby of our uh, our office and I saw the email. I don't think I even saw it on my phone. I think I had like logged into my email on a computer to check it during the day. And I saw the email. I saw the email that asked me to, you know, to tell me that I was going to be opening for John Mulaney that weekend. And I, I, I mean, just such an unbelievable thrill. That was like a goal I had had for the entire year. And it finally worked out. A few months after that, I got to open for Amy Schumer. 
Uh, she wasn't famous yet. She hadn't even done the Charlie Sheen roast. She was also just a comic in New York. But again, like, you know, I was so thrilled just to be in this, this, a real comedy club and like hosting a show and getting paid for it. Like it, it was all the stuff I'd worked for over the past year, year and a half. It was building towards something and not even just like building towards something locally. I, I had always had an eye on New York right when I started. Um, I think, I think that comes from watching Seinfeld growing up and, and seeing, you knowing Jerry was a comedian in New York and a few things really even pushed me further down that path. Um, the first year that I started stand-up was the first year that Louis C.K. show Louis debuted on FX. And I mean, I don't know if a show is, could could have been more influential or motivating to me at that time. Um, just to see a comic that I loved, this like really artistic, fictionalized version of his life being in the city and, and performing at the clubs. And, you know, as much as I love those Seinfeld bits at the beginning of the show, Louis's bits on on that show were uh, just incredible. You get, you get to watch like one of the best guys put out, you know, new material every week. It's like, I look forward to that show so much every week it was on. And I remember just being so blown away by the jokes and, and thinking like that, I can, I can work towards that. I can try and be like that. It's like the thing of, you know, you try and work as hard as Kobe Bryant. Like you're never going to have Kobe Bryant's work ethic. You're never going to be as talented as Kobe Bryant. You may never be as funny as Louis CK, but just trying to be just working to be like that will get you much farther than you would have been in the first place. So watching that show, I remember just watching it and being like, I got to get to New York. That's where I got to go. This is this is where I want to be. It's where I'm supposed to be. Everything that I do is in service of moving there eventually. So we'll come back to that. The other thing that really um, made me want to move to New York was the Jerry Seinfeld documentary, Comedian. Um, it's on Netflix now. I highly recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. It's about Jerry after the show and he's he's gotten rid of all his material and he has, to, he has to build an act from the beginning like from scratch from the ground up and it's just him going out to the clubs every night working on jokes and it's just so interesting and, and like all it was it came out in 2001 before comedy podcast before we knew kind of the process and all that stuff that's kind of so overshared now which you know this podcast is overshared too but I, man i used to watch that documentary all the time like at least once a month probably twice or even three times i i'm i'm i in my life, I've probably seen it over a hundred times. It's it's something I keep coming back to over and over again. I've heard other comedians talk about it. Um, the two that really stand out to me, I heard Dan Soder on a podcast one time say, like, if you're debating whether or not you should move to New York, watch Comedian. And if your heart just swells with joy watching that movie, you should move to New York. And my heart swelled with joy watching that movie. And then I also heard Pete Holmes call Comedian... Uh, the passion of the Christ for open micers, just it's it's people love it that much and it means that much to people. He said that um, you know when he first went to see it the day it came out, he was an open micer in Chicago, and the lights came up in the theater when it was over. And it was literally every other open micer in Chicago in that same theater watching the movie, and uh, you know I agree with that assessment. It's 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 an incredible film, super influential, one of my favorites of all time. So watching Louis watching comedian it's like this is great now but i gotta get to new york i want to make a living at this i want this to be my thing that's where it's going to happen so i always had an eye on it but i didn't want to move without a job i've heard of i heard of other comics moving up to new york um just gonna live off savings and then they have to come back after a few months because new york's expensive and difficult and it takes a long time to get something going so i was like i gotta have a job i gotta have a job when i move up there 
and it was the summer of 2011. I so I've been doing stand up for about two years at this point, and I had gotten kind of fired, kind of quit from this like um, inside sales cold calling job. It just wasn't a good fit for me. So I had left that job. Um, my lease was ending in a couple months, and I was like, you know what? I now is a good time. I'm gonna I'm gonna search for a new job, and I'm only gonna look in New York. And I looked and looked for a couple months, got nothing, had to move back in with my parents, was there for a few more months, looked and looked, couldn't get anything going. Finally, in January of 2012, I was able to get a job uh, working for Turner Broadcasting, just doing some ad tech account management stuff. I Man, you want to talk about like a memory that's burned in your brain. I remember where I was when I got when I got the email, when I got like, I, I remember where I was where I get these emails all the time. Uh, I remember where I was when I got the first email that I was going to host the DC Improv. That was that was September of 2011. That was when I was trying to move and I was kind of down in the dumps because I couldn't find a job. And like I got this email from the Improv asking me to open for Bob Marley, this comedian from from Maine, and just boosted emotionally immediately. So it was that same thing where it's like, finally, it's happening. I was watching Patrice O'Neill's Elephant in the Room in my parents' basement. And this was January 2012. And I got the email so happy it's finally finally happening I, I got up there in february of 2012 and i was i was prepared for it to to be bad you know i had heard about the open mics i heard about how clicky it could be i, could, I heard about how difficult it was and it, and it was bad that first year but i i didn't care i was i was just so happy to be up there and so happy to be in new york yeah i went to all the terrible open mics hung out at all the places all the shows um, I got to see comedian. I got to see Seinfeld drop in at a few places. Got to see Bert, Bill Burr one time. Like that first year just felt like magic, even though it was, you know, not going great. I was okay with that. I was living in Manhattan with a friend from college and another roommate and having a really good time. And I was, I just turned 26 and, you know, everything was like right in front of me. And that was, that was a really great year. Um, again, not a lot happening career wise, but just so happy to be there and happy to be trying. Um, and that was probably, I mean, this sounds sad, but that was probably like the last truly great year in New York for comedy for me. I remember specifically in January of 2013, a friend was in town doing a show. I went to go to the show just to hang out and watch. And I had this feeling creep over me for the first time after being there for a year where it's like I was no longer just happy to be there. I I, I wanted more I wanted like more stage time more recognition just just I wanted to feel like I was progressing somewhere and I wasn't and um started getting really in my head about stuff really mad about stuff and that that carried on for a long period of time I mean it still it carried carried on up until recently I would probably say in in different in different places I don't really know how to describe like 2013 through 2022 for me there there's no neat narrative there's a few small wins, a few brief glimpses of I thought something might be happening, but like honestly, like it was never. Things never consistently moved upward. I never, you know, got booked on any of the big shows, your knitting factories, your cabins, uh, Littlefield, any of that stuff. I never got called into any general meetings. I never had a meeting with a manager or an agent or like a, a general meeting with like a, a network like other some other peers of mine did. Like just nothing was happening for me. And that made me angry and bitter. And when you get angry and bitter, you get more in your head about stuff. You get more frustrated. 
and you try harder, but it doesn't it doesn't yield results. A few good things happened here and there. Did the laughing I did a few comedy festivals, the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival in Atlanta. It was a really good time. I uh, did the Asheville Comedy Festival a couple times. Getting passed at New York Comedy Club for late night in 2015. That was that was a nice little that felt like a really good win. And that that place kind of was the only place where I felt like I was maybe gonna be successful. And that kind of kept me floating emotionally for a long time. So I think it really begs the question, like, what happened? Or what did why didn't anything happen? Like what was wrong? And then and the, really the short answer is wasn't funny enough. That's that's all there is to it. I wrote, I tried, I went out, it just didn't translate. Now, and again, I've talked about this in the podcast previously, like that's, I wasn't funny enough was the short answer. Long answer is I didn't go out of my way to build relationships with people, which is a topic that keeps coming up over and over, or can't came up over and over again on this podcast. Like that's what really gets you going and really gets you moving. I wasn't interested in like making friends with other comedians. I wanted to, I had to get up and go to work in the morning, you know, like I didn't want to hang out at the bar until 2am. I wanted to do my spot, go home, go to bed, get up, go to work and then go do comedy after work and then go home and go to bed. That That's all I was really interested in. That was that was like the totality of my life. And anytime I tried to like socialize with other comedians, it just didn't, I, I felt uncomfortable. It didn't feel right. I felt like I was like doing a transactional kind of relationship. And it was tough, man, because comedy was the driving force in my life for a long period of time. It informed every decision that I made. Jobs that I took or didn't took you know, the whole reason I moved to New York was for this. Um, I've had multiple relationships end because of comedy. It's like, it's like, you know, this, this takes precedent. Sorry, too bad. Like I I gotta go. Like it, it, luckily, you know, thank God I was able to like find somebody where like I, I wanted to sacrifice comedy time for them and someone who was in supported my interests and was patient with my like frustrations and bad attitudes sometimes and things that had driven, other women off. I'm, I'm thankful for that every day. I think the last time I was like really happy as a comedian here was um, it's the back half of 2018. I had just gotten laid off from a job. You can sense a recurring theme here. Stand up really negatively uh, impacted my job prospects, but I was okay with that at the time because that the job wasn't my main goal. It was just something I was doing to pay the bills. That's how it was back then. And so I was okay with it. But anyway, I gotten laid off from a job at the end of 2018 in July of that year. And I was unemployed up until the following January. But that that six-month period, I was, you know, I, every day I would get up, write, um, apply to jobs, do interviews, and then go out and do comedy. And it, I just felt free and unfettered. That was the last time I felt really buoyant and light and, and positive and, and optimistic about comedy for the most part. Beginning of 2019 was bad because um, I got that new job and it was the same kind of job I had and when I moved to New York at Turner and I just had this thought of like oh my god I've been here seven years I have the same job I've made hardly any tangible progress in comedy I'm spinning my wheels like I, I, I everything that I believe in or think about myself is completely false and I've been deluding myself for my entire life and you know I was like I was in like I don't want to say like a dark place because that's that sounds like makes it sound worse than it was, but I was I was down. Like I was really down um the first few months of twenty nineteen. And what lifted me out of it was UVA basketball winning the national championship. It's like, all right, man, like you can you can come you can lift yourself up out from the deepest deepest depths. You know, they they had lost they were a one seed the year previously and lost to a sixteen seed. Then they came back the next year and won the whole thing. And that really gave me a kick in the ass to get going. 
and and Tiger Woods came back and won the Masters with that that same the following Sunday in, in the same calendar week. UVA basketball won the national championship. Tiger Woods won the Masters, and I was like, all right, let me like like comebacks are possible. There there's opportunity here. This this can happen. And 2019 was actually a pretty decent year for for me for comedy. Um, started getting really aggressive with like asking to be on shows, so my calendar was a lot more full than normal. Um, I got to do a, a breakout artist series at Caroline's where you headline it for the night and like a hundred people came. That was really great. Probably that's probably my best memory in comedy. That was like the peak for me. I got to um, audition for New York's funniest uh, for the New York Comedy Festival. Um, I didn't quite get there, but it was a good show and I got a great tape out of it. So that was really great. Um, and just like, you know, uh, 2019, I felt I got passed at Caroline's to, to perform there regularly. So now I was passed at two comedy clubs. I was passed at New York Comedy Club and Caroline's. It's like, all right, great. Here we go. Like things are, things are moving up. I'm going to, I guess I'm going to record an album next year. And in, you know, March of 2020, I'm going to record an album. Or it wasn't March. It was April. I was planning to do it, but we all know what happened then. COVID came, shut everything down. And any momentum I had, I had built um, stopped immediately. Now I'm not saying if COVID hadn't happened, you know, I wouldn't be doing this podcast and things would be going great for me. Um, even with COVID, like there were there was opportunity to advance my career and, and press forward. I just didn't want to do any of the online stuff. But after COVID came back, recorded an album, thirty people showed up. The album itself, the jokes are fine. Um, doesn't sound like there's a lot of people there cause there aren't, the laughs aren't that big. Um, but I, I like the material well enough. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm proud of the album, but like, it's okay. Like it's fine. It, it was a good summary of what my comedy career has been like. Decent jokes, not a big following or a big, not a lot of people listening, which ultimately falls on me, you know? So the album came out in April of 2022. And then by the end of the year, I was like wanting to stop doing comedy. Things weren't progressing. Nothing was happening. I wasn't having fun. I wasn't enjoying it. And it just hit me one, one random night in like November of 22, where I was like, I can't keep doing this. I, I got to make a, make a big jump or, or stop. And that's been the genesis of this whole podcast and in, in my entire year so far. And I kind of like flirted with the idea of, of giving up previously. I remember at the beginning of 2019 where, where I was, things were pretty bad. Um, I thought about like, maybe I'll just try really hard this year and see what happens. And if, if nothing happens, then I'll just quit. But I toyed with that idea. And then I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm not quite ready for that just yet. The idea was there though, but I was like, not yet. Now is not the time to to put this, this deadline on it. I remember during COVID, I wrote a pilot um, for a TV show about a group of people who join an AA type program to quit chasing their dreams. So like, again, the idea of like, I, quitting comedy and comedy being harmful to me and making me unhappy was had been there for a few years before I started doing this. But, you know, it was the end of last year where I really, things really crystallized for me where it's like this this isn't working and I, I'm not ready to give up just yet, but I am ready to make a last push. And that's what I did this year. You know, I've been posting a lot of videos, recording this podcast, trying as hard as I can to do as much as I can or, or gain some kind of following or notoriety or I don't know. And I, maybe I didn't try hard enough or I didn't do it the right way. You know, I've had people tell me like, well, there's not enough about you on this podcast and like your journey and what, how your year's going. And it's like, yeah, but nothing really happened this year. Like in, in spite of my so-called best efforts, like I'm still pretty much in the same position I was at the beginning of the year, if not worse off. So I felt weird talking about it. I didn't want to discuss it too much. I didn't feel like there, there was anything to discuss. So that kind of brings me to where we're at right now, where it's like, well, I kind of see where this is going. And um, 
I'm not getting a lot out of it. It's it's like wearing me down. I feel really, really burnt out, especially with all the other obligations that I have. And um, I don't know. I think it's just time to wrap it up. And I don't have anything more to give. I feel like um, in a video game where a character's health bar is like down down to red. You know, you just one more hit and you're done. And uh, I don't I don't see the point in really going forward. And uh, it feels good to kind of end it on my terms and when I want to, like, you know, I don't feel compelled or, or um, obligated to to follow through through the end of the year. I'm still going to, you know, do stand up until December. I have a few other shows booked, so I'll do those, but I just, I don't, I don't feel the need to continue with this podcast right now. So what am I going to do next? Um, other than, you know, I'm going to try and be good at my job. I'm going to try and be a, a good husband, just try to be a good, normal guy. And I'll take an hour every morning before work and I'll write. What am I going to write? I don't know. I've just been free writing for the past month while I've been trying to figure out this new routine. But it's been enjoyable. Um, it's nice to come home from work and not feel guilty that I'm not going out to an open mic or I'm not going to a show to hang out to try and get booked. I only had the energy to do that stuff for so long. And um, you know, you're supposed to get to a point where you don't need that stuff anymore so you don't have to do it. But I never stopped needing it. And I just couldn't keep doing it. That that's a, that's a young man's game, you know. Being out till eleven o'clock, midnight, later every night, just running around, maybe getting somebody's attention. That's something you can do in your twenties. It's not something you can do in your late thirties. I tried doing some videos online, but I I, I felt gross about like be, like online best practices, like following though. It just it just didn't never came naturally to me. It was never something I did because I wanted to do it. It was something I did because I had to do it. And I'm looking forward to ending that part of my life. Like I'm once this is over, like it's come January, everything I I want to delete every social media profile. I want to get offline completely. I think it's made me so it's really fucked my head up over the past ten years, ten plus years. You know, I've um just constantly one performing my life for other people is bizarre, but also seeing other people perform their lives and then judging your life against their performance. It just, it's unhealthy and it's this weird recursive cycle that just makes me feel gross. And I want to get out of that and into the real world. That's, that's like my little consolation prize for not making it in comedy. I get to get offline. That's going to be real exciting, but yeah, man, just gonna write, see what kind of comes to me, see if I have any other inclination to do something different or to do nothing at all. That's the thing. I'm just going to kind of, I'm not going to tell myself I should or shouldn't do something now that I'm done with comedy. I'm just going to see what it is I want to do or don't want to do and just roll with that. I think that's the the best, most healthy way forward. The, uh, the big question I keep asking myself, it's a line from Kill Bill Volume 2 where Bud asked Daryl Hannah, they think Uma Thurman's dead. And he goes, do you feel relief or regret? Which R do you feel? And for me, uh, now that I'm done with this podcast and I'm going to be done with comedy in a couple months, I feel relief. I don't know if I could have tried any harder. I tried as hard as I could. I, I do feel like that. I mean, I did it for long enough. I did it for 15 years. I think that's pretty fair effort, decent amount of time to put into something. I don't know if I would have done anything differently. I guess I maybe would have been a little more proactive in trying to build relationships or 
or develop a following online, but those things never came naturally to me. They weren't things that I wanted to do. It wasn't like I wanted to do them and I was too afraid. I just didn't want to do those things. They didn't spark my interest. And I don't have regret. I have. I don't regret doing this at all. I'm glad I did, uh, even though I didn't get what I wanted, even though I didn't make a living at comedy, I still got something so valuable. I got a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose and an understanding of what it means to go after something that you really, really want and the benefits you get even if you don't end up achieving the ultimate goal. I think because of comedy, I have developed an obscene work ethic I was never a morning person when I was younger. Now I can get up at any hour and write and and take care of things that have to be taken care of. I know how to be passionate about something and and kind of let that overtake me, but also temper it when I need to, to be a little bit more rational. I just know how to give a shit and to to try hard at something. And I, I think that is the most valuable trait you can have going on in your life because I do believe happiness is fleeting and ill-defined and very vague and no one's ever like no one's ever consistently happy but you can consistently have meaning and drive in your life and that's what comedy gave me and it taught me how to apply that to to real world things and I think that's gonna serve me forever in the process of trying to get better at comedy, I've really had to branch out and try and learn things about myself, about the world, about other people. Um, I, I have an unbelievably massive reading habit now because of comedy. I, I used to read a lot when I was younger. I didn't really do it. Um, I kind of lost it in high school and college, pretended I read the books when I wrote the papers. But now it's like because I was so hungry for just like knowledge and insight and, and different ways that people use words and communicate, I started reading books and, you know, going after the things that like kind of following the Carl Jung line, or is it Joseph Campbell, about following your bliss. Like, like you know, a, if a book makes me feel really good, there's got to be something in this book that I can use for comedy. I don't know, just reading in general has helped me out a lot in my life. And the work ethic I developed from comedy has helped me out in my life. So even though I didn't get what I wanted, no regret for trying and certainly no regret for trying this long. Mostly I'm just relieved that I I can stop feeling like I'm failing at something. And I can just enjoy what I have. You know, I've, I've been, my mood's been pretty up and down a lot this year, mostly down. And, uh, you know, I've had people say to me, like, well, you got a lot of good things going on. You got a wife, you got a dog, you got a job, you got a, you got an ap- nice apartment. And I just, you should be grateful for that stuff. And I knew, I knew intellectually I should be, but I just couldn't feel it emotionally because I felt like such a failure at this other thing that I wanted so badly. And just removing that negative part is going to be really huge for me. I'm just so relieved I can stop caring about the things I've cared about so much and that have really messed me up over the last 15 years. So I feel relief and I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to post this, leave it be, do the few shows I have scheduled throughout the rest of the year, and then just go into 2024 doing whatever, being open to what's next, like like wondering what comes next, not trying to make the next thing happen. A little more of a sense of wonder and possibility. So I, th- I think I'm going to do my last open mic on December 17th, 2023. I think I'm going to go out the way I came in. Uh, I'll probably do the Sunday night open mic at QED. 
And then that'll be that. People ask, oh, are you going to keep doing it or as a hobby? And it's like, I don't think I can. Or do you think you'll come back to it? It's like, I don't know. I, as of right now, no. Um, it could be different six months from now or a year from now or five years from now. But right now, I just, uh, I, I, have no, I have no real desire right now. The, the joy has been really just tapped out of it at this point. And um, I'm ready to put it behind me. So I think that's all I have to say. I hope, I hope some of this made sense. Uh, hopefully I edited it in a clear way where you could understand what I was saying or there was some kind of coherent point, but we'll see. Uh, I do want to thank anyone who listened um, or shared or said a kind word. I've, I've gotten some nice messages from people, some people I know, some people I don't. Um, it always felt great to see those. I want to thank anyone who has offered a kind word like over the last 15 years, stage time, you know, especially people who came to see me do shows in my first few. If, if you saw me do comedy in like my first eight years of my career, maybe even later, who knows? I owe you a debt of gratitude and a deep apology. For we'll we'll take care of that another time I think, but yeah, thank you if you've, if you've ever been supportive or, or said a nice thing to me. Um, we don't get a lot of that as comedians. The, the the negative stuff really sticks with us. So when when you get a positive comment, it really shines through. And I think that is it. I'm going to press stop on the recorder, and that will be the end of a comics last stand. And uh, I will just silently toil in obscurity for the next couple months, doing a few shows. And then I'll just be a regular guy. It's uh, some Kenny Powers line in uh, the first season of Eastbound and Down where he quits baseball. He's like, yep, now I'm just waiting to die just like the rest of you. And uh, I don't really believe that, but the line makes, makes me laugh. I think it's pretty funny. That's it. Thanks for listening. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say like and subscribe because there's nothing to like and subscribe to anymore. So do what you want to do with this podcast. Unsubscribe, uh, dislike and unsubscribe. How about that for a last episode? All right, all kidding aside. Thank you to anyone who's listened, anyone who shared, anyone who said a kind word. And um, I'd say I'll see you out there, but I probably won't. So you, um, you all take care of yourselves and try to listen to your gut about what feels right for you and what, um, what you should or shouldn't be doing with your time in your life because it is very precious. Take it easy, everybody.